We are so glad that you are here this morning. God is good. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to finish off our Ephesians chapter 3 today, move into chapter 4 for uh, next year. But I can guarantee you this, we will probably be in Ephesians for all of 2018. Can I get an amen for that? You guys excited? So we're going to go through the entire book of Ephesians for 2018. But here's something really cool. Today I'm going to give an encouraging message, probably one of the most encouraging messages I've ever preached. So I just am so excited to get into this. You can tell me how it was on Facebook afterwards, but only positive comments, please. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. But uh, this is going to be one of the most encouraging messages I've ever preached. It will be something that's going to encourage me. This uh, message has been a part of my life for many, many years, and I've heard it from another brother, and it's going to tie into to what we're going to learn today. But then next week, everybody say next week. We're going to come together for the first of the year and be challenged for 2018. And then I'm going to tell you guys all the goodies of what God did in 2017. It's amazing. It was a record-setting year in so many different ways. And some of our greatest records were set just in the last few months. So uh, don't let today fool you. We're going to believe God for our people on vacation and wherever they're at, maybe second service. But uh, we had an amazing, amazing year. And it's a great time to celebrate. So we'll do that next week. And you guys will get your end-of-the-year giving reports. Thank you for all your, your gifts, and you will see the increase of how much we increase quite a bit. And so I'm so excited. don't want to get into that now, but just think of it like this today. Today is an encouraging message. Next week's going to be a challenging message. Amen? Okay, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and onward. Uh, we're going to finish chapter 3 today and move on to chapter 4 for those who are keeping track. And I hope that you are reading the book of Ephesians with us. Trust me, there's no better book for you to invest your life into than Ephesians for 2018. It has blessed me for 2017. For those who remember last year, we started it in February. And now we're going all the way through. Normally in January, I talk about the church, Connect, Mentor, Send. But I just said, let's just keep this flow going because I want to see how long this will actually last. By the way, I've gone back and checked on the messages online, which you can do. There are 42 messages right now on Ephesians. 42. So if you ever get stuck in traffic, you don't know what to do, just go to the podcast, check them out. If you've got a long trip you're going to be on, my wife and I are going to go uh, to New Orleans in February. I might give it a shot, see how many I can go through. It will bless you, literally, verse by verse by verse. How many are thankful for that, by the way? Are you thankful? Have you been able to go back verse by verse and understand stuff now and be like, man, I get this verse because I had my pastor read it about 10 times to me, and then he explained it, right? Isn't that awesome? And that's what we need to do with the Bible. Okay, so Ephesians 3.14, today we're going to talk about forever and ever, and everybody go, ever. Okay, awesome. Thank you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is Paul praying, bowing before the Father. The tradition of bowing was from the Jewish people. Jesus bowed in the garden. Here Paul is bowing literally on his knee. He's praying to the Father. We see the Trinity here by the power of the Spirit that Christ may dwell in our hearts. God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And if you notice here, he's basing his prayer on the relationship that he has with God, on the nearness of God. How many believe that God is near to you? 
Amen. God is closer to us in the air we breathe. The Christ, the revelation of Christ in us was Paul's message in the book of Ephesians. That's why we're calling the message, uh, the messages through Ephesians, the In Him series, because that revelation is the transformative lifestyle that he lived. God was not somewhere far off in the distance. God was right here by his spirit, and Christ was dwelling in his heart. And keep going, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, everybody go how wide, how long, how high, and how deep, amen, is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God, and so if you notice here that not only is the nearness of God transformative to his relationship with God, God is not somewhere in the distance, God is right here, but it's based on the love of God. Now, I challenge you this, and I'm, I mean this. I just did a debate uh, last week with some black Hebrew Israelites. They're African Americans who believe they're the lost tribes of Israel, and they have a lot of strange doctrine. And me and my friend Sam Shimon went and debated them, and God showed up and moved in a mighty way. But listen to me. There is no substitute for the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. These individuals believe that you had to be saved by works and that there was no way you could know you were saved until Judgment Day, and you had to be always doing the laws of Moses and all of these Old Testament things. And my friend, I even had people on the webcast feed say, where is their joy? Where are their smiles? Where is the presence of God? There is no indication of that. You know why? Because religion will make you look like you've been sucking on lemons the whole time. Religion will take away your joy. Religion, not knowing if you're going to die and go to heaven, will take away your confidence. But in Christianity, we know we're going to heaven because of what? The love of God. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know that the love of God is within us. And here's the challenge of Christianity. You get your attention. Everybody look up at me, please. Here's the challenge of Christianity. See if you can discover the width of his love. See if you can discover the length of his love. See if you can discover the height and the depth. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be like a Jacques Cousteau on the journey of discovering the depths of God's love. You're not supposed to have to dig up the commandments of the Old Testament and try to have the Feast of Tabernacles. You're supposed to fall madly in love with God and love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength as your neighbor, as yourself. Because Paul said, those are, uh, Jesus said, those are the two greatest commandments. And so I'm so thankful today that I'm not in a religion. I'm in a relationship. I'm in a relationship with the Father by the Spirit, and Christ lives within me because of his blood that he shed on the cross. He's washed me clean. I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm not alone. No trouble that I face can ever separate me from the love of God. Remember we read that two weeks ago in Romans, what shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now let's continue on. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. How many know God can do more than we imagine? Remember when we talked about that as well, that our imagination imaginations can only go so far. When I would imagine the kind of family that I would have, I only imagine kind of like cartoon figures. Now when I look at Bethany, she is more than what I ever imagined as a daughter. Hello, can I get an amen? When I used to think of Nancy or a future wife, it was only a pinup model, you know, someone that just looked beautiful on the inside. Nancy is, not, is all of that in a bag of chips, trust me. But on, on the out, I saw, saw her beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, she is more than that. She is a woman of God, and that's beyond whatever I imagined. 
God does more than we imagine, and that's not even just the beginning. I mean, that's not even the end. That's just the beginning. There are so many things God wants to do in our lives that if we were to line up our imaginations to what's actually going to happen, he's going to show us every single time he did extraordinary things. And we qualified that, that yes, sometimes in this life, not everything will come to pass, but that's why there's a life to come, isn't there? Because that imagination doesn't just stop when I die, because I live on after this body dies, don't I? Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more, and I can just add in there, in this life or in the world to come. He's able to do immeasurably more here and in the world to come, more than I can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Today's passage is verse 21. Let's read it together. One, two, three. To him. All right, we're going to give you guys another chance to do that. We're going to read verse 21 as if your friends were here. Let's do it. One, two, three. There you go. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So how long is God's glory going to last? Forever and ever. Is it only going to be in Christ Jesus? Where else is his glory going to be? Are you a part of the church of Jesus? Is the church of Jesus Christ bigger than this building? It is. The church of Jesus Christ is bigger than this building. The church of Jesus Christ spans not only the 2,000 years since Jesus established the church, but the church now has been incorporated. The whole entire people of the Old Testament, all of the Jewish people have been considered the church, and we've been engrafted into them, rather. So it's not that they've been engrafted into the church. We got engrafted into them. Can I get an amen for that? God still has his chosen people, the Jewish people, and he's going to fulfill all those promises with them. But you today are a part of the church, and I don't just mean a building. I mean a relationship with God. The church is called his body. The church is called his bride. We're going to learn all about that in Ephesians chapter 5. The bride of Christ is the church of Jesus. And through the church, there's going to be glory and in Christ Jesus. So this is where we get this revelation that whatever God did in Jesus was the stamp, was the model of what he was going to do in all humanity. Jesus got a resurrected body. Do you get a resurrected body? Yes, you do. At the resurrection, you get a resurrected body. Jesus was perfect. Are you made perfect at the second birth? Yes, you are. Jesus was able to do signs, wonders, and miracles when he was baptized by the Holy Spirit at his water baptism. Did Jesus say the miracles stop when I leave, or did he say the things you see me do, you will do an even greater number? When Jesus was upon the planet, was he here as a superman? Was he here as someone that we could never follow? Or was he here as the start of a new humanity that all of us were supposed to be like? Jesus, the Bible says, is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The firstborn among many brothers and sisters. When God took on flesh, he brought humanity into divinity through the Trinity. Now because of Jesus Christ, our mediator, we all as humanity can come inside of the Trinity and experience divinity. The Bible says we partake of the divine nature because of Jesus Christ. And if you read John chapter 17, which is technically the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of Matthew, our Father, is our prayer. But if you want to hear when Jesus prayed, you want to see how deep he got with the Father, go to John 17, and he says, Father, I've done your work. Now I ask you to give me the glory that I had before I ever came down here. And he said, then the glory you gave me, I want you to let me give it to all my disciples that they may be one as we are one. 
And so there's a glory that Jesus purchased for us that we are supposed to have in our lives, and it starts right now, and it lasts forever and ever and ever. Could it be any more clear how long this is going to last, not only for all generations, but forever and ever? Now, I want you to go to one of Paul's other letters to see how this complements Ephesians, and then I want to give you guys something to think about. When we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul is following this same thought. He's in a place here where he's explaining to them there is a resurrection to come. There are things that we have not yet seen that we are hoping for, and it will tie together the whole plan of salvation. Because when your body dies, your mind lives on. You're not your brain. Your mind is a part of your soul. When your physical body, with all of its feelings and sensations, die, your emotions in your soul will live on. And when your body dies with all of its strength and all of its energy dies, your will will live on in your soul. Your soul incorporates in the spiritual nature your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have to learn to separate emotions from physical sensations, stimuli. That's a whole other discussion that I could get into with you. But many of you believe your stimuli, your physical sensations, the things that they can see on brain probes, you believe that over what God has told you. And you need to stop letting what they can see on a brain probe or whatever they can do with an EKG, you need to let that stop dictating your heart and your life. Are you listening to me? What you feel in a physical heart, heart palpitations and anxiety and nervousness and depression, any of those things, you need to say, that is not who I am. I am who God said I am. I can do what God said I can do. I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And by that power, you have the transformation ability to renew your mind, to renew that brain, to renew how you think and feel in life. So I always say, it like this. Feelings are fickle, but faith, but faith lasts. So don't live by your feelings. Live by faith. Don't live by sensations. And many people have sensations of bitterness and anger, and they get around people. They say, oh, you just bothered me so, not, so much. Stop living by your feelings and be led by the Holy Spirit. But here's the good news, my friends. The resurrected body will have a perfect union with your soul. Your sensations and your feelings will match your faith. Amen. Your resurrected brain will match your mind. Your your resurrected will will res- uh, your resurrected strength will match your soulish will. And so right now we're only going to be here for a short time. We get disembodied, we go to heaven, but we come back as resurrected brothers and sisters of Christ sharing in the image of Jesus. And in that resurrected body there is hope for thousands of years to come, generations to come, forever and ever. I want you to clue into what Paul is saying here. He says for God who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts. So you see where it starts? It starts in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. God's what? God's glory, thank you, displayed in the face of Christ. So how do I get to see God's glory? I have to see Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. So how do I receive the glory of God? Through the face of Jesus Christ. But now look at how Paul describes it. He says, we have this treasure. What is the treasure? The treasure is the glory. What the Holy Spirit brings is the glory. What we lost when we sinned in the garden was the glory. It was our covering. We didn't need clothes. We were covered by the glory of God. The glory of God is seen in the Old Testament at times where it would show up in the temple, at times with the fire by night, cloud by day. At times it would come into the life of Jesus. Remember, he was on the mountain of transfiguration. It's known as such because his earthly clothes became glorious clothes, and the place was lit up brighter than the sun. They could hardly even look at Jesus. Well, we had that glory too. Adam and Eve were made in that image, but we lost it. But now because of Jesus Christ, he starts inwardly, and now we have this treasure, that glory in a jar of clay. Point to where your jar of clay is right now. 
It's your body. Your body is made out of clay. So in your body, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit coincides with God's spirit right now. You have the glory of God on the inside of you. If you're not born again, you're not in the glory of God. That's why you have to be born again. That separates you from the lost and the saved. The saved have the glory of God, not by their works. We don't boast about what we did. We have the glory of God because of what he did. He became what I was that I might become what he is. He became sinful that I might become righteous. The son of man, uh, the son of God became the the son of man, that the sons and men and daughters of men might become the sons and daughters of God. We have this treasure in a jar of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and it's not of us. God changed my life. I didn't change it. Did you change yourself or did God change you? Did you work on yourself or did God give you his finished work? Are you still trying to change yourself by going to diets and all of these things? That's okay. That's physically good for you. But you can't spiritually self-help yourself. You're a self-made mess. You need Jesus to change you. Amen? You don't need willpower. You need God power. Verse A, I'm preaching today, amen. Thank you. We are hard-pressed. Hold on now. I got a jar of, of clay, and it's filled with the glory of God. Isn't everything supposed to go now my way, Paul? Isn't life supposed to be easy, singing in the rain, uh, you know, yellow brick road? Uh, isn't this supposed to be my path? No, look at what Paul says. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. You ever get perplexed in life? If you're not perplexed, just look at Facebook sometimes and you'll get perplexed. Look at what people post. Look at what people find funny. Look what people think that it's good to share. I saw a guy share the other day one bird pecking the brain out of another bird. I was perplexed to why he would share something like that. You're perplexed that I would even share that. But that's what he put on Facebook. I was like, what's wrong with you? Little bird pecking at the little bird's head and eating its little brain. I was like, okay, well, we know what kind of person you are now. Not having you babysit the kids, you know. But that's what people do. I'll be perplexed all day if I just looked at Facebook, but I'm not in despair. And there's real things that perplex me. Why is there so much evil? Why do people continue to do wickedness? Why aren't people being born again like I was born again? Why can't everybody just love Jesus like me? I, I was on drugs, and I turned, and God gave me grace after I repented. Why, why don't they repent? But you know what? I don't get in despair about the wickedness of this world. They have a choice, and so did I. Amen? We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Now, I want you to understand how Paul tells his story. Whenever Paul tells you what he's going through, in the next sentence, he tells you what God is doing for him. I'm tired of hearing Christians only telling me that they're crushed, that they're perplexed, that they're persecuted, that they feel struck down. My friend, if we're Christians, whenever we say what's going on, we should always say the other side. Yes, I'm perplexed, but I'm not crushed. God is with me. Yes, I may be perplexed and not understand how the things work in this world, but I'm not in despair. I may be persecuted, but I am not abandoned. And I may have been struck down, but I am not destroyed. That is how the Christian talks through their problems. Do we deny the persecution? Do we deny the heart-crushing pain that we feel in this life? Do we deny being hard-pressed and perplexed and persecuted? No, we do not. But we have a jar of clay filled with the glory of God, and he said he'll do immeasurably more than we ever asked, thought, or imagined. And so today I trust that God. I put my faith in that God. Now, verse 10, he says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. How do I carry around in my body the death of Jesus? Because Jesus bore my sins on the cross, he died. Now, when people say, who was in heaven when Jesus died? Well, number one, the Father and the Holy Spirit were in heaven. Jesus is not the Father or the Son. So it's not like God died and there was nobody taking care of heaven. That's a foolish question people ask all the time, though. And the other thing is, when you die, do you stop existing? <laughs> when Jesus' body died, he never stopped existing. 
There was not a millisecond that his soul did not exist. He was always existing. And you, my friend, will always exist. You didn't have, an, uh, you don't have an eternity in the past, but you have an eternity in the future. But why is it, Paul says, we carry around in our body the body of Christ, the body of death? Is because on that body that he died, it was for sin. It was for sin. And so my body is cursed with sin, so I must die too. But here's the thing. I don't have to suffer God's judgment when I die because someone died in my place that I may have life. Look at it again. If somebody put it on Facebook, we always carry around in our body the death of Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. He died that I might live. He took the punishment I deserve that I may have the reward that I could never earn, eternal life. Verse 11, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Now he's talking about persecution. We know we're like lambs led to the slaughter. He says, so that this life may be revealed in our mortal body. This is a mortal body. It's not an immortal body. We get an immortal body at the resurrection, but this mortal body must die. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Has anybody here laid down their life for anybody else in, a, in, in just a sacrificial way? Maybe parents, do you give your life for your children every day? Then you can relate to what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm suffering for you to live. I'm going through the pains of death so that you can live. Do you know that childbirth is the closest a woman can face death and come out of it and still be alive? And that's why not only did children used to die in, in back in the day, but mothers used to die because it is a point that the body can shut down within moments and a mother can die, but yet life comes out of it. And oftentimes ministry and what we do in this world will be just like that. We will come within an inch of death for people, literally suffer for them to help them so that they may live and know Jesus Christ. And I don't just mean the threats that we may get from gangs and persecution. I just mean I give my life for the ministry. I give my sleep for the ministry. I give my free time for the ministry. And that takes life out of my body. Are you listening? It takes life out of my hair. Anybody see gray hair up here? This one's from you. This one's from you. This one's from you. This one, this beard is from you back there. You know what I'm talking about. I got all this gray here from you guys. So death has worked in me that life may be in you. Now go and do likewise for others. Amen. But I love serving Jesus. Isn't it fun? Look at verse 13. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. How many of you believe what we're reading right now? Therefore talk like it. I may be perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I may be abandoned, but I am not alone. Come on. I may be struck down, but I am not destroyed. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Whose same spirit of faith do we have? Jesus. Jesus was our example of walking by faith. Jesus was the example. I have the same spirit that Jesus had upon him. When Jesus was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit came upon him, what happened in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit came on disciples, and it's been coming on them ever since. Can I get an amen? So I have the same Holy Spirit on the inside of me that always tells me, trust God. Joe, you're freaking out, but trust God. I'm here to tell you, trust God, Joe. It's scary, but trust God. The spirit of faith will talk to you. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of faith. He's not a spirit of unbelief. He's not a spirit of despair. He's a spirit of faith. He'll tell you, believe what God has said. Believe what Jesus has said. And that's what Paul said. It said right here, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Who raised Jesus from the dead? The Father. He's going to raise us by the Spirit and present us to himself. We'll all see the Father, Jesus seated at his right hand, and the Holy Spirit flowing like a river from them. Verse 15, all this is for your benefit. 
so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Is the grace of God reaching more people because of your life today? It should be. The grace of God should be using your life as a conduit to reach people so that this message can change more people's lives and give thankfulness to God. People should be able to say, I am thankful that I sit next to Ivan tomorrow or whenever he goes back to school because the grace of God flows through him. I am thankful I work with Adam because the grace of God flows through him. I am thankful that I work with Juan and Diana because the grace of God flows through them. I am thankful that Griselda and Berto are my neighbors. Come on, somebody, because the The grace of God flows through them. They give glory to God that way. The world gives glory to God for what God does in and through our lives and how we touch their lives. But now watch this. Paul then gives us this summary. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. And this was the last passage I said to my grandmother before she totally had lost her mind to Alzheimer's. My grandmother had lost all of her ability to remember things. She was putting uh, a pumpkin in the, uh, the stove thinking it was a turkey, and that's when we knew we had to put her into an old folks' home. And seeing my uh, Italian grandmother in an old folks' home was one of the most devastating things I've ever faced in my life. My wife, even to this day, has never seen me cry as I did in front of her when she could not recognize me. Those who have been through this kind of pain understand what I'm saying. But I had the privilege, because she was a Christian, of sharing this with her. I said, Grandma, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Grandma, though your brain is falling apart right here, your spirit is strong. Your soul is about ready to get freed from this body of death. Your precious treasure of clay is about ready to get cracked open in the presence of God, and you're getting a new body in the glorious kingdom to come. In verse 17, let's read together, one, two, three. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What time of a glory are we getting? An eternal glory, a forever and ever glory. As Paul said in the previous passage, throughout all generations, this glory will be in Christ Jesus and in the church. Put it like this, as long as Jesus now will have glory, the Christian will now have glory. Is there going to be any end to the glory of Jesus? Of course not. There's no glory into our glory in his presence. But don't you love Paul? Paul, who himself is in jail, writing most of his letters. He's in jail in Ephesus. He's already been attempted to be stoned. Well, they did stone him, but he didn't die. Uh, He had a vision while he was stoned, and he went uh, to heaven and saw great things, and God gave him a resurrected life. But I want you to, not, not resurrection from the dead, but second chance at life. But listen to this. He's watched his friends be murdered. Stephen was stoned. He's watched people be beheaded. And look at what he calls this life, our light and momentary troubles. Is that how you would describe the troubles of your life? Oh, they're just so light. Pastor, I have to bury my loved one. You know, we have Amy and David have to bury Amy's father this week. Pastor, that's just so light. It's so momentary. No, because in the moment, it doesn't feel light, does it? Our burdens of life feel so extremely heavy. Our problems in life don't seem like they last moments. They seem like what? Years. Months, days, weeks. And so we have to now take a step back. We have to take a step back and have an eternal perspective. 
Because in our perspective, it does look heavy, and it does look like it lasts for moments. But verse 18 gives us the trick or the secret to see it the way Paul sees it. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, can I help you here for the next few moments to help you see the eternal. Now, somebody gave me this example a while back, and it's changed my life. And you guys know me. I know we don't preach with tricks and trinkets and all these things, but some pastors need that. Amen. Just give me the word of God, and we're ready to go. They need all that play and all this stuff up here and dress up as something. Just give me the word, and we're ready to go. But I got to use this example today because I want y'all with me to learn to focus on the eternal. I want you to think about this as your life, as I'm holding this string right here. You see, this part right here that I painted black, we're going to consider this the entire life that you will live and the pain and the struggles that you will face. This is 80 years right here, okay, right here. This is me burying my sister because she died drinking and driving. This is me going to funerals of 16-year-olds who had their brains blown out because they were in the wrong corner or whatever. This is me watching people go through adulterous affairs and destroy their family. This is me having to call the police on people that were molesting their children. I'm talking a world of pain. This is my 80 years. I'll just use this as an example. We'll get to some of your 80 years in a minute. But this is my 80 years. And you know what God is saying to us? He's saying, Joe, you need to stop looking at that 80 years. Because I have an eternal life for you of glory that goes so much longer than your light and momentary troubles. Do you all see that black dot anymore, anymore on that thing? What do you see? Nothing but eternity. Nothing but the glory of God. Nothing but what God says I'm going to do. And you're saying, oh, pastor, oh, heaven, how long is it going to last? Well, heaven's only temporary. But we come down to the new earth with Jesus Christ. Then we reign for a 1,000 years. I don't even know if I've gotten to a 1,000 years. It's just where we're going to scale. If that was 80 years, I don't even know if I pulled out a 1,000 years yet. And then after a 1,000 years in a glorified body, ruling and reigning with Christ, then what he says is, now I'm going to recreate the heavens and the earth, and you're going to be forever in my presence. The glory of God is going to be upon you. There will never be a shedding of a tear. Now, how many strings, or how long do you think i got to pull this thing before I can show you what a million years looks like? Come on, look at this. This is life, my friends, in eternity. See, Paul is saying, stop fixing your eyes on that thing right here. See, we, we get so consumed, and I'm with you, human, in earth, on earth, I understand pain, right? But here's the problem. See, Paul is not saying that pain isn't real. He's just saying, but when you put it in the perspective of the glory of God, it's light. When you put it in the perspective of what God promised to do, it's momentary. Because what God promised to do is more than 80 years, more than 100 years, more than 1,000 years. More than a million years. I was listening to Lauren talk the other day, and she had said, I would rather have Jesus and live a short life with cancer than to not know Jesus and live a long life. Why do you think somebody with cancer would say that? Does she have a death wish? Does she not take the facts seriously? Does she not believe that honestly it's going to be painful, the chemo? watching her having to shave her head. Does, does she not take that serious? Is she denying the facts? No. You know what's happening? 
is she is literally saying to herself, I know where I go when this body goes. I go to heaven. I go to where I get to spend eternity with God. Now, what's amazing is upon this earth, we're going to believe God for healing. We're going to believe God for all the beautiful things to happen in our future. But if it doesn't happen, if there is a perplexion, if there is a striking down, if there is a hard pressing, she will not be crushed. She will not be destroyed. She will not be abandoned. It will last longer than that dot on that piece of rope right here. I'm going to unravel this whole thing for the next five minutes, so let me talk to you all for a little bit. I want you to get the illustration. I got 500 feet of this. This is for my kite. I want you all to get this. I'm so tired of people talking about being crushed and not talking about God being on their side and strengthening them. I'm so tired of people talking about these light and momentary afflictions as if the devil still got something on you. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's given you hope beyond the scope of your limitations. He is telling you right now there is a glory that lasts longer than the gory of your life. And so I just want to just call out some names. Don't get offended, but I just want to encourage some of you today. You see, Adam came from a broken family, and Adam may be tempted to trade his eternity by looking at a black dot about what his mom and what his dad did not do for him and what his culture has did and what his neighborhood is like or what he can do. Adam can put his eyes on the eternal glory that lasts generation after generation forever and forever and can say, Jesus, I'm seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness, and I trust you with all the rest. That's what he has to do. See, Sadia can go look here to her little dot and say, you know what? I've had same-sex attraction. And I'm not calling out anybody, by the way, who hasn't testified already in this church. So don't think I'm going to start telling your business. Amen. Uh, Sadia could say, well, you know, I had same-sex attraction since I was in junior high. Or, uh, you know, I've always found girls attractive and this is how I feel I am. She can look at her 80 years and let her body define who she is. Or she can get born again into the image of God see the eternal glory that's at stake and say, Lord, I'm going to give you my romantic feelings. I'm going to give you all that I have in my heart because you'll transform me to be the woman you want to be. And then he'll bring a man like Christian into her life to give her a promise ring over the holidays. Because if she sets her heart on the glory of God, she'll see that it outweighs these lights and momentary troubles. Can I get an Amen. You see, there are some people here today that don't even get it now. That's why i got to preach it for another few minutes and unravel a couple hundred more feet of rope. Because there's got to be at least one or two of you here, because I meet you all the time, even in our church, where after we'll preach a message like this, you'll stick your big old butt in the way and say, but pastor, you just don't understand. But, Pastor, you just, you, you just don't get me. You don't know me. You don't know what I've gone through. And what I want to say is you don't know my God and what he went through, and you don't understand the eternity. You don't know the glory. You need to stop looking at your problems and look to your problem solver. You may say, Pastor, is it really that simple? Oh, yes, it is. It is. It, it may have weeping. I'm not saying we're not going to weep, but when I'm weeping, I'm putting my eyes on the eternal glory. I'm putting my eyes on the eternal glory. When I'm, when I'm weeping at a funeral, when I'm going to places that are so sad that you just wonder, how can my heart go on after this? You're going to go there looking at the glory of God. You're going to go there saying the testimony, I, I feel crushed right now. But I, I feel pressed, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed right now, but I'm not struck down. I'm not abandoned. 
God is not going to leave me. He is not going to let me hang out here all by myself. And so I want to talk to some of the teenagers. I want to talk to Isis, who has to go visit her dad in prison, who has to go out there. She may be tempted to look at her life and say, you know what, I didn't have a dad at home. And, you know, these 80 years right here, oh, man, this, this may define me. I may become a troubled teenager. I may be another statistic of a fatherless home. I may be somebody that's an easy pick-off for this world, for gangs and for illicit lifestyle and all that. She can try to let that devil lie to her by the pain that she's faced. Or she can take a hold of what God gave her. Come on, take a hold of it and start pulling it towards you right now. Come on. Start pulling your future towards you right now. See, you can start pulling a marriage instead of a hookup. Come on. Keep pulling it. You can start taking encouragement instead of despair. You can start seeing a college education instead of a high school dropout. You can start seeing the children that God has for you. A grandmother in the future. You being a generational shaker and a history maker. Come on. Pull your future and say thank you, Jesus, with her today. Because that's all that she's got to look forward to. Berto, will you get that, please? You see, because you can pull your future towards you right now. You can say, I'm not going to be defined by my 80 years. I'm not going to be defined by all that this world has to tell me. I'm not going to be defined by my trips to go visit my dad in the jail cell. I'm not going to be defined by being a high school dropout. Don't you know that's what I was? I'm not going to be defined by my past. Every single one of you has got to make a decision. I'm not going to look at this world in that black spot of pain and sin. I'm going to look at the eternal glory. I'm going to look at the life that God has put out before me. I hope some of you all never forget this. I'm doing this illustration so that you will never forget this, that you will get the perspective of life today through the eyes of God, that you'll begin to see yourself as God saw you. And so we have Carlos here today, Kaylin on Facebook, which I don't know why you call yourself Kaylin on Facebook. Why are you, why you call yourself Kaylin and not Carlos? Help me understand. Why is that, is that his God-given name? Nickname. Oh, it's a nickname. Oh, very cool. Okay, great. I always want, want to know that. Thank you. See, but Carlos, he came to the Lord. How old were you when you got born again, Carlos? Started coming to the church. What, 40, 45? How old are you? Just, just tell me the age. 48. And so all of a sudden he could start to feel sorry for himself. Say, I wasted 48 years. You know, I don't have much to show for it in the kingdom of God. I come here, and he's always been so complimentary of the young people. He could say, these teenagers know more than I did. You know, they know more of their scriptures. You know, those who are brought up in church. But see, I want to tell you, Kaylin, this may only be your 80 years right here, but I want to bring this to you, and I want you to pull it towards yourself because you got an eternal purpose. Come on, start pulling that purpose toward you because, baby, you're going to live a lot longer with God than 48 years. Come on, keep pulling it. Pull that future towards you right now. You're going to be a ruler with Christ. You're going to to be a priest of God. Come on, keep bringing it to you. Keep pulling the future of God because you came to the Lord right on time, baby. God had this whole thing worked out. There is a future that outweighs your 48 years. You got all of this to look forward to, and your family's going to remember you for not who you were not, but who you were in the kingdom of God. Come on, can I hear an amen for that today? Thank you, brother. Berta, would you get that for me, please? Got about another 50 feet here. Come on, somebody. Come on. Somebody say there's a purpose in the pain. And it's an eternal glory. There's a purpose in the pain. 
and it's for an eternal glory. Would you put that closing statement up for me, Andrew? There is a purpose in the pain, and it's for an eternal glory. And it outweighs everything you are facing right now. And in comparison, it is light and it is momentary. And Jesus said to you, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. Find rest for your soul. Learn of me. My yoke is easy and my load is light. There's rest at the cross. You don't have to carry that heavy burden. You give it to Christ who carried burdens for you. And you look at the eternal weight of glory. There's a future that is longer than your past. I want you to get this in your heart today. I believe within the first 30 seconds you're in heaven, it will have been worth it. I really believe that. The first 30 seconds you are there, you're going to say, I'm glad I made that choice. And the rest of eternity, you have to live with Jesus. Now let me ask you something. How much string do you think I, I pulled out in comparison to eternity? I would have to be for eternity pulling it out. Right? Isn't that mind-blowing? Somewhere around here, i got to figure out a way to use this for the second service. Somebody's going to have to untangle this. Somebody patient and gifted. <laughs> or we'll just go to Walmart and buy a new one or something. But there was a black dot around here somewhere. I don't know where it's at. There it is. Let's not go digging up our past anymore. Can I hear an amen? amen. Thank you. You can just leave it here for right now, sir. Thank you. I know you... He, this is probably bothering some super organized people right now. You want this rope really nice. It's nice and tidy. Don't go a bit digging up your past. Let it go. Just like the, the great theologian in the, the famous theological movie Frozen said, what was that famous theologian's name? Let it go. Who was that great theologian? Elsa? That's, that's one of my favorite theologians right now. We need to be like Elsa. Let it go. Let it go. Something, something, something. If I got Bethany, she would sing it right now. See, we, uh, we have a choice, don't we? Life is a choice. You can look at this momentary life and the pain that it has, and you can let this define you, or you can let the eternal weight of glory define you. I hope today you did not hear me make any false promises to you. This is going to be your year. Get ready. I have no idea. You may bury your most treasured loved one this year. I don't know. I can't promise you that. How, who am I to promise you what this year will be like? Talk to the people in 2017 if they thought they would be at the funerals facing the diagnoses and all of that in 2016. But yet some lighthearted preacher came up and shouted, this is your year. What, for cancer? But I'll tell you what. This year, no matter what it brings, there's an eternal weight of glory that's greater than this year. How about that? You like that? 
That's the truth. So I don't care what you face this year. I don't care if we go into World War III, China drops nuclear bombs, and you're meeting in my house in a home Bible study a year from now because the world is so unpredictable. There's a far greater weight of glory ahead of us, and we will hold on and make it in Jesus' name. Because we're not looking to our circumstances. We're looking to our God. And our God said, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so today, as we get ready to close, would you just close your eyes in an attitude of prayer and say, God, I ask you to open the eyes of my heart to see an eternal weight of glory, something that my actual eyes don't see, but the eyes of my heart can see. Ask the Lord right now, open the eyes of my heart, Jesus. Open the eyes of my heart. Help me not to see only the pain, the crushing, the perplexing. God, let me see your joy. Let me see your peace. Let me sense your presence. Let me not just have an awareness of what my body is going through, whether it's sickness or temptation, sin, whatever my body goes through, let me count it as dead and alive in your spirit. I will not be defined by light and momentary troubles. Come on, pray. Pray right now. Guard your heart from the troubles of this world. God said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. We are overcomers and more than conquerors because of him who loved us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can stop the eternal weight of glory that's coming. Not one thing can stop it. Let's make a choice today to ride with Jesus. Come on, I'm going with you, Jesus. I'm going to live 2018 with you, Lord. As you are praying right now, I'm just going to ask that Amy and David would come to the front. We're going to pray for them as they have to face the loss of Amy's father this week. Some of the elders and deacons, you guys can come around them, the altar workers. We're just going to pray for them even right now. As you're praying, maybe you can start to think about them and lift them up in prayer because they need your prayers this week. Father, I ask you to be with them. Lord, help them to find peace today. Also for Renee, sorry for not mentioning that before. Lord, bless these dear daughters today as they're missing their father. Lord, it may hurt, it may be painful, it may be perplexing, all of those things. It may feel lonely, but, oh, God, you are with them today. And, Lord, you are showing them through the pain that you can wipe every tear, you can heal every brokenness, you can give them strength when they don't know how they're going to go on. Lord, you can give them something to look forward to. Lord, you are going to be good to them, and we ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Heal their hearts, comfort them. Do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, keep praying for them. I'm just going to ask that Andrew would lay his hand on Lauren and those would start to pray for Lauren as well who had to shave her hair because of the chemotherapy. It's starting to take more out of her body now. We lift her up, Lord. We ask you to be with her for her to find peace in the midst of the pain, that she'll give her strength, that, Lord, when she closes her eyes, she'll see you in the spirit, things that are not seen that in her body, that, Lord, she'll enjoy every moment she has with her children and her family, and we pray for healing to come in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I know Iris is watching us online. We pray for her to be cancer-free. As the doctor's report are coming back good, we pray for more good reports in Jesus' name. 
as they're going to continue to pray for Amy and Renee, if you're going through something right now, just come up to this altar right now. And we'll just pray for you. We won't embarrass you by naming your name. But if you just want us to pray for you right now, we're just going to pray. No altar workers yet. Just you come up here and meet me at the altar. We're going to pray that your eyes set on the glory of God today. Keep praying for these here that are right now. But just the rest of you, come on. Who just needs to have somebody pray for you? Even though I don't know what it is, you just want me to know that you need prayer today. I'll pray for you right now. Lord, we ask you to bless your people. Set us free, God, from the feelings of despair. Set us free, God, from the pain of loneliness, of being crushed, and help us to walk in your presence. Everybody just raising their hands. Come on, I receive Jesus. I receive those in their seats. Would you stand with us now as well? I receive Jesus. I receive your peace. I receive your joy. We're just lifting you up right now. We pray for these that are here even now, Lord. You know their situations. May they set their eyes on the eternal weight of glory. The eternal weight of glory. Band, would you come, please? We're going to get ready to dismiss. There's an eternal weight of glory for all those who keep their eyes on Jesus. Lord, we don't know what 2018 holds, but we know who holds 2018. And we trust him. We trust you today. Comfort hearts. Lord, let us trust you even when we don't see you, even when we don't feel it. May we trust you because you are faithful. You've been faithful for past generations, and you will be faithful again. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, can I hear an amen? Can you give it up for Jesus today? Come on.